So we are now in our next uh, episode, our next sermon of the uh, Book of Acts series. And we're looking at um, Acts 4 verses 1 to 22, and I've called this uh, the best, best, sorry, the best defense uh, is the word that I need to use. I need to say it properly, best defense. Uh, and this week we're going to look at uh, the moment Peter and John uh, are brought in front of the Sanhedrin. Uh, to defend their actions when they healed, uh, when they healed the lame man. So now they've had their, they've had their. Peter speaks to the crowd, and and we see that people are saved. But now the temple guard come and they bring Peter and John into the Sanhedrin uh, in front of the Sadducees. When you read commentaries uh, around these verses uh, and views on these uh, on these particular verses. Um, there always seems to be a subcontext going into this of some form of justification. I've read a, a quite a few articles and commentaries on this uh, particular verse that Christians, in some way or another, although it's not it's not directly acknowledged, but it is it is intimated that we can somehow be lawbreakers um, and still be right in the eyes of God. That we can somehow, uh, if if we think. That, what, that the law of the land contradicts God's law, that somehow we have, we are fully righteous, perfect in judgment, and that we can make some sort of um, judgment because as if God needs that, uh, needs us to do that. But the problem is, of course, we're not capable in ourselves of knowing or acting in what is right in the eyes of God. And I think what appears to be missing, uh, as we before we get into this, uh, it's probably best just to explain where we're going with this. But what appears to be missing in many of these articles and commentaries is that, as Christians, we are sometimes we are too uh, we are prone to selectively see what will justify the desires of the heart over Scripture and God Himself. For example, we can sometimes selectively choose laws to defend and espouse in the Old Testament that fit our own narrative because we sometimes do not see our own bias within that choosing. As Christians, we are still fallible, prone to mistakes and even commit sin. So why grace exists is what grace is with us now in terms of the reapproach that we can approach God and ask for forgiveness of uh, genuine forgiveness of that sin with a genuine heart that we want to repent and turn away from that sin. But the difference is that we admit this to God and accept that Jesus is the only way that we can be redeemed and be continually sanctified and changed before we face him. So today I want us to understand that the best defense is the Holy Spirit who teaches Jesus Christ who is the word and who is God. I want us to understand that as Christians, the word of God cannot be used as an agenda to excuse the breaking of governmental laws uh, that we may not agree with. Rather that the word of God stands on its own as truth and testimony to the world's inadequacy to carry out perfect justice. Jesus himself showed that he broke no laws and was still able to carry out the will of the Father. Jesus was not crucified because he broke the law. 
rather in remaining true to the Father and God's word, people, we, skewed the law in order to justify our desire to crucify Jesus for showing us our inadequacy in being able to live up to it. If you need an example, when it came to the choice of Jesus and Barabbas, guess what we chose? We chose the lawbreaker Barabbas. And I say we, and you might say, well, we weren't there. But it is a reflection of the choice that we would equally make because we are all sinners who would condemn Jesus. We would, and that's what we would do. We are all responsible. What we will learn is that we live out God's word in line with scripture, not with a motivation to override or break laws that don't fit our agenda. Rather, that our motivation is to share the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit and allow the same Holy Spirit to defend it. We can't pick and choose what we uh, submit to, hence the, the scripture this morning, uh, that, we, uh, that we align ourselves to God, that God is the one who is full of justice. We should understand that the work of the Holy Spirit will never lead us to a place that goes against or contrary to what Jesus did in his ministry. That we don't need to break the law for people, for people at some point will find excuse to falsely charge us regardless. For those that profess and live in the name of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible, continually teaches this principle that we are not like the world. That we do not behave like the world. So let's get into our verse so we get some context and understand uh, what this all means. Uh, and let's have a look at this. It's uh, Acts 4, verses 1 to 22. So it says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter, and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Uh, Annas the high priest was there and so was Caphias, uh, John, Alexander and others of the high priest family. And it says they had Peter and John uh, brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, who with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have, a, knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. And they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So, here we, we find at the end of Peter's message uh, in Acts 3, um, both Peter and John are taken away by the temple guard. Um, we find that they both are put in jail overnight. And so now in Acts 4, uh, they're taken away um, and, and they're put in jail overnight because it, was, it, would, it would have been illegal to trial them uh, under Jewish law in the evening, in the night time. But we know already that we've already come to our first bit of law breaking. And we find this being done uh, not only here, but we find it done when Jesus was, was taken away, um, of laws being followed, but already broken. And so when this happened to Jesus, they didn't follow this law strictly. We see this in Matthew 26, verse 47 to 56. And it says, while he was still speaking, Judas 1 and the 12 arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Uh, now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them the one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put... At my disposal, more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple, courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place at the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. So what we find here is, is this, uh, just, just, an, just an example, I'm really using this just to uh, show you that what happened on that same night is that they trialed Jesus, they put Jesus on trial, um, and, and that was illegal in Jewish law. And so 
really the big introduction about the the whole thing of law is that um we're, we're looking at how the world will always bend break change laws it's not just restricted here to this moment or even to jewish law but we will find that the world will will skew um and it will because we've done that with jesus we've done that we've put him on the cross we skewed laws in order to make him guilty uh, because he was never guilty of anything but then we see Jesus' disciples reach for their swords. Jesus rebukes them and said, put your sword back in its place. Jesus would not be captured or put to death for breaking the law, but to fulfill scripture. And so on this occasion, it would seem best uh, a Jewish law as we see Peter and John uh, being um, taken in front, into the Sanhedrin, to the Sadducees. It would seem best that Jewish law was followed in order for them to put under the scrutiny of it. Yet on both occasions, these two events have something in common. Either when the Jewish law was put aside or when it was followed. In either situation, either could not be proven to have broken it. Because they didn't. So as Peter and John held closely to Jesus' teaching through the Holy Spirit, more people added to the believers from 3,000 to 5,000. Remember, they've broken no laws. They still continue in the word of God. They still continue to do what they do without breaking the law. And it's more that they're aware of the Holy Spirit leading them. And so the Holy Spirit is not, it knows, God knows exactly how they can proceed and effectively share the gospel. So we find already that whatever purveyors of justice do to follow or corrupt the law in its application, Following God's word will navigate us through it so that we are not hypocritical in following God's word. We've got a lot of verses from Peter, one section of Peter in particular. This is our first one, 1 Peter 2, verse 1 to 2 says this, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. <clears throat> But that, what Peter says there, but that only works if our intention is to glorify God in our motives. To bring the gospel to people, to glorify, to bring glory to God. He says in 1 Peter 2 verse 16, he says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Last year, uh, I, was, I was reading an article um, on Friday, and uh, last year there was a report in the news. Um, just so happened to stumble upon it during my preparation for the sermon. There was a report in the news that a bus driver uh, in Israel was accused of breaking the law uh, as he spoke about Jesus to his passengers. There's a video of it online, um, and, and it, uh, I don't think there's a translated one, but effectively uh, what he says is the Old Testament and New Testament are one and it speaks about Jesus. That's basically the, the gospel message uh, that he speaks of, which is which is great. Um, but in reality, what they did, they updated the article and they said, this guy had been uh, sacked from his job and fired. And it turned out there was no law that actually exists in Israel uh, that he had broken. Uh, so he'd not broken any law whatsoever uh, to do with speaking about Jesus because that was allowed. It, was, it is not illegal for someone 
uh, in Israel to publicly share his or her faith, no matter what it might be. And yet the call from the complaints, the crowd, or, or certainly some people, were that he's breaking the law. Interesting, isn't it? We, we do just, just start skewing the law in order to benefit our own justice, our own sense of justice, or at least our own uh, muddied view of justice through as if we are uh, uh, representing God in this moment. And yet that's not the case. It's more that we skew the Lord because it, it fits us. It fits our justice. And, and so there is a sense of what's going on here that he's been accused of breaking a law that doesn't actually exist. And so isn't it interesting that law breaking is mentioned when it comes to Christianity, specifically Jesus. So as Peter and John stand in front, uh, stand in, in the court, they're asked by what power or name did you do this? Or a closer translation might be by which ability or in which name do you do this? And I think the word ability is, is so much better placed to describe what happens next, both in defence and the reason for the lame man's healing. Verse 8 says this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, rulers and elders of the people now before we get into his speech the first bit we need to be clear on is that peter was filled with the holy spirit peter and john's ability to defend their actions came from the holy spirit peter and john's ability to heal the man came from the holy spirit peter and john's ability to preach the gospel he guessed it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know that uh, that he really is filled with the Holy Spirit, is really speaking from that position? Well, it's what he says next. Peter says, if we are being examined for our actions or by our actions of healing this man, then let it be known that it was done in the name of Jesus the Nazarene. Not the Ministry of Healing International Limited, not Peter and John's healing elixir, but in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. That is how we know. Not because of them, but that Jesus used them to do it. They don't talk about their own fame. They don't talk about their own ability. They talk about the only ability by which they were able to do it, which was through Jesus Christ. And just in case, <clears throat> excuse me, there might be mistaken and in case it isn't clear peter says the same one you crucified the same one you rejected as the cornerstone the one god raised from the dead it is the same person 1 peter 2 verses 6 to 8 says this for in scripture it says see i lay a stone in zion a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. What we're seeing here is that it is not by Peter and John's smart talking or negotiating. It is a plain truth put to them. 
They don't need to break the law so as to spend time defending their actions in relation to it. Instead, it is plain to see that the Sadducees stumble and fall because of their rejection of Christ. Peter puts it on them, as we'll see later, to find fault in their actions in relation to the law. For Peter and John, they carry out what God wanted them to do and know that they will never be put to shame because of it. So they, as they have no reason to be ashamed of what they have done, they say this in verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There is no other way to salvation other than through Jesus Christ. In John 14, verse 6, <clears throat> it says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You may know that already. You may understand that that exists. And it says that. And yet, even when people acknowledge that exists, they still want to defend or tell us that there is other ways to God the Father. There is no other way to God except through Jesus. The idea that there is no salvation any other, that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved is, a, is an offensive one in our pluralistic, eclectic age. But it is a plain teaching of the Bible. If we want to believe that all are saved automatically, that there are many roads to heaven or that you can take the best of all faiths and blend them into one, then we may do so. But we must also bear the consequences of those actions. In no way is religious pluralism, that is that all religions lead to God, is taught or can be interpreted in the Bible. For a Christian who believes in Jesus Christ, it is a primary issue, otherwise known as non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable aspect of the Christian faith and of doctrine that salvation is only possible through the acceptance of Jesus Christ being God who died on the cross, who rose again for the sins of all mankind. Only that <clears throat> acceptance of the core doctrine of faith will bring us into salvation with Jesus Christ. All of this to say that this is the reason for the Sadducees' astonishment of Peter and John's understanding. They knew by their words and actions that they were followers of Jesus, not because of qualifications or schooling. Yet they still had not broken any laws in doing so. The, Sa the Sanhedrin accept that they, didn't, did it, they did indeed heal this man. So the evidence is plain and in Peter and John's favour, but not because Peter and John argued the case, because they followed and stayed and trusted in the Holy Spirit to get them through. So rather than speak of legal matters, they begin to look to save their own positions, uh, the Sadducees. They look to save their own positions of power and they feel the pressure of their influence waning should Peter and John continue to speak about Jesus. They know that the influence of Jesus on the people will diminish both their power and influence over them. 
So they warn Peter and John not to speak of this Jesus again. But here we have the main focus of our message today. Peter and John say this. Verse 19 and 20. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. <clears throat> Again, this isn't a prelude, this isn't an excuse to break the law. Let me stress clearly that Jesus was accused of breaking the law. Uh, the apostles were accused. Paul was accused of breaking the law. They made up charges against him to put him in prison. Uh, and all charges were not provable. None of the charges were provable. Uh, and when you look at them, uh, when, when it actually happens. Same with Jesus. They skewed uh, some of those accusations, some of those charges in order to make it fit the punishment, to make it uh, so that they could punish Jesus. What Peter and John uh, actually do is they actually let them, the Sadducees, be the judges of what they do in regards to what they judge in the law. Yet it is a question that cannot be answered. What is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him? The Sadducees are basically, well, the theology was that uh, they had this special emphasis on the first five books of Moses, the Torah. Uh, they believed the Bible, uh, our Old Testament, was the only authority on matters of faith and life. They believed in unrestrained free will, meaning God had no role in the personal lives of humans Everyone was the master of his or her own destiny. Sadducees rejected entirely the supernatural, refuting belief in angels, demons, heaven, hell, and the, the resurrection. To their way of thinking, souls die with the bodies. But they believe strongly in ritual purity, as prescribed by Moses. They didn't want anything to disqualify them from leading the temple services that generated income. So what the question did was kind of expose the hypocrisy in the theology. See, the Sadducees did sort of listen to God because they took his laws and seriously to a point, uh, at, least, um, at least used them to live their life and not necessarily honour God in it, but to, uh, to make money from it. But in a way, they did listen. And, and what Peter and John are doing is exposing uh, hypocrisy. They believe the Torah was the only authority on matters, uh, the Sadducees, uh, on the matters of faith and life. Yet at the same time, believe God had no role in their personal lives. At the same time, practice the rituals as performed by Moses. Constantly living in and out of these uh, contradictions. On this basis, it's clear why Peter also had to be clear about the way, the one way to God through Jesus Christ. In this short trial, there was no law broken. Just the power of Jesus working through them to accomplish the kingdom plan. We saw in recent months, uh, people in the US, uh, certain groups of people raid the Capitol building in Washington. And it was a terrible sight indeed. Uh, what was more disturbing, what was, what was harder to really see, 
was people holding up placards claiming to be doing it in the name of Jesus. Yet we will come on to that later on in Acts of people claiming to do things in the name of Jesus. But anyone can take the name of Jesus and use it, use his name to further personal agendas. We're all susceptible to using Jesus' name for uh, help or prosperity preaching, to make money, generate income, not to believe in him, but to use it for our own means. But the breaking of, of the law, but breaking the law, was not what Jesus ever did. 1 Peter 2, verse 13 to 17 says this, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper, proper respect to everyone. Love the family believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. As Christians... As Christians, we should be good citizens, submitting to government. Peter wrote this in the days of the Roman Empire, which was not a democracy and was no special friend to Christians. Yet he still recognised the legitimate authority of the Roman government. Clark says this, a quote from Clark says, The Jews thought it unlawful to obey any ruler that was not of their own stock. The apostle tells them they should that they should obey their civil magistrate. Let him be of what stock he may, whether Jew or Gentile, and let him exercise the government in whatsoever form. Since governments have a rightful authority, in some cases from God, but in general over people, we are bound to obey them, not because the government tells us to, strangely, but because God tells us to. God tells us to obey the law of the land. 1 Timothy 2 uh, verses two to, sorry, verses 1 to 7 says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers and session and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Peter knew that our conduct is a way to defend the gospel. He knew that those who never read the Bible will read our lives and our actions. So it is by doing good that we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, but not by breaking the law, but by following God, by listening to the Holy Spirit. We are warned against taking the freedom we have in Jesus as an excuse for sin. Instead, we use our freedom in Jesus to show the kind of love and respect that Peter calls for. Many people will ask, but what if I'm asked to do something 
by the same authority that is in contradiction to God's law. The message still is to not break the law. And you may disagree with me. Someone may disagree with me. But Jesus didn't break the law. He never did at any point. It was, it was us that skewed the law to make him look like he broke it. So it fit our desire to kill him. Jesus did not break the law. Even under the most intense of punishment and pressure. But it's also, but also not to compromise on God's word. Jesus followed the will of the Father. So instead, Peter tells us to do this. Verse 20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. When you read about the apostles, what you will find are people of God who spoke about Jesus. But they could not do anything else. What God did was provide a way for them to do that. What man did was to falsely accuse them, so to imprison them. But that still didn't stop them talking about Jesus. When we read about our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world in oppressive regimes, sharing the gospel and worshipping God, they don't do it because they, their primary goal or even reason is to thumb their nose at the law of the land. It's because that's what God has called them to do, to share the gospel. Despite man's attempt to stop it. If they get arrested, then they are arrested. But they don't do it to break the law, to be a rebel, to... Uh, Jesus is not, as many people would try and say, a revolutionary. In fact, what we know is when he entered into Jerusalem, rather than face... Uh, the Roman rulers, he turned into the temple. A big, big sign that Jesus is not a freedom fighter. Because that's not where the fight is. The fight is in the spiritual and the eternal. It is the very fight for our very lives in eternity that Jesus won over. It is only with a teaching and guiding through the Holy Spirit and learning from the word of God that we will do right by God in our walk with God. When we do that, we confound the foolish by honouring God and upholding the law. I'm going to leave you with these sets of verses that I think just, just bring it together and then we'll pray and then we'll worship. To 1 Peter 2, 21 to 25. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Didn't lie. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we just want to pray now, Lord, that you, you forgive us when we think that you need help. 
uh, that you need some form of assistance from us to carry out your your plan as if, as if you are inadequate, as if you're not able to do so. Lord, I, I want to thank you that you are indeed in charge, that you, oh Lord, that you so, you do forgive us of our self-importance. But Lord, I do also pray that we do recognise this fallacy of, of self-importance, this, this fake notion, false notion that we are so important. Lord, we, we, we are now in a time where we, we've turned Christianity to some degree into being about us. Uh, Lord, there, there's nothing wrong with saying about how Jesus has saved us, but Lord, it, it is not. It is not that we're so important that we are, we are better or we're, we're the number one in heaven. Lord, you are number one. You are the king. You are sitting on the throne. By what you did, as a result, we have, have been uh, brought into salvation, that we may come and believe in Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us when we make it about us and our justice, when we make it about our way, that our way must be godly, because look at us, how godly we are. And yet, at the same time, in that very moment, we completely deny undeserved your salvation is to us that we do not deserve what you've given us lord help us to trust you more help us to trust in the holy spirit help us to, to trust in your word to go back to reform our mindset our hearts our soul everything about how we live and trust in the word of God, trust in the Holy Spirit, that you can do all things by your power. And that Lord, whilst you don't need us to do anything to make you, uh, to help you carry out, to, to achieve your plan, Lord, you invite us to be part of it, but under the authority and submission of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that we will submit and learn how to submit everything back to you that when those things rise up within us that we somehow think we have a godly righteousness about something let it be known no one is righteous not one but you lord are and you invite us into your kingdom nothing that we've done but everything you have done we thank you for all these things Amen.